Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, May 3rd. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. Four migrants dead in the waters off California after a boat they were traveling in, allegedly as part of a human smuggling operation, overturns near the San Diego coast. Andrew Brown Jr., the 42-year-old black man killed by police in North Carolina, being laid to rest today as protests continue in that community over the deadly use of police force. And a major milestone in the battle against the coronavirus pandemic. 100 million people in the U.S. now vaccinated, but health experts warning the fight isn't over. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. At least three people are dead and dozens more injured off the coast of San Diego after a boat capsized on Sunday. Authorities are calling it a human smuggling operation. Rescuers rushing in to help, but they, the time they arrived, the boat had already crashed and broken apart near the Carrillo National Monument. Andrea Linares brings us the latest on this investigation. This was a devastating and deadly scene off the coast of San Diego. A ship with at least 30 people on board crashing into a reef, capsizing as rocks ripped the boat apart. Oh my gosh. The crash sending more than two dozen people flying into the water. Customs and Border Patrol calling this a smuggling operation. They don't care about the people they're exploiting. All they care about is profit. Uh, to them, these people are just commodities. The captain of that ship now in custody as authorities investigate. Nearly 100 first responders rushing to the scene. U.S. Coast Guard choppers swooping in to rescue those left behind. When crews arrived, lifeguards pulled seven people from the water, including at least two of whom drowned. One person was rescued from the cliffs. So a lot of things going on at once. Our goal was just to rescue everyone we can from the water. Among the rescuers who jumped into action was a good Samaritan, a Navy sailor who happened to be in the area with his family. I gave everything to my wife and said, I'll see you here in a little bit, and just jumped in the water. Officials say life jackets were on board the vessel, but it's unknown whether any passengers were wearing them. Now these pictures show the aftermath of a massive rescue off the coast of Point Loma Sunday morning. Rescue efforts continued well into the evening hours. According to the New York Times, since 2009, authorities in Southern California have caught more than 6,500 people entering the U.S. by water. For Assemblymember Ward, a reminder that federal lawmakers need to do something about the country's immigration system. So that people aren't in these situations where they have to choose between these dangerous paths ahead um, and uh, what they're experiencing in, in, in the moment. The exact number of survivors is still unclear, but authorities say at least 27 people were taken to area hospitals. The Mexican Consul General's office in San Diego said it was in touch with authorities to assist any victims of Mexican descent and their families. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And now to Elizabeth City, North Carolina, where Reverend Al Sharpton will deliver the eulogy at today's funeral for Andrew Brown Jr. Brown was killed by a sheriff's deputies serving a warrant at his home on April 21st. Brown, a black man, was shot five times, including once fatally in the back of his head, according to an autopsy commissioned by his family. 
In New York, political and civil leaders gathered on Sunday to protest the recent wave of Asian hate crimes in New York. The rally dubbed We Belong Here March Against Hate, Asian Hate included New York Bill, uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio and Senator Chuck Schumer. According to the NYPD, there were at least 68 possible hate crimes against Asian Americans this year compared to just 15 in 2020. And meanwhile, the NYPD announcing another victory for its hate crimes task force Saturday. A 29-year-old man is now in custody after being suspected of a series of burglaries and hate crimes in the Riverdale area of the Bronx. When police stopped him early Saturday morning, he was riding a bicycle believed to have been stolen from a synagogue that had also been vandalized. Last weekend, police reported six attacks on four synagogues in that area in just a two-day period. to the latest on the pandemic here in the U.S. More than a third of the population is fully inoculated at the moment, and the FDA is getting ready to possibly approve the Pfizer vaccine for kids 12 to 15 years old. Meanwhile, pharmacy chains CVS and Walgreens are facing a backlash for wasting more vaccine doses than all states combined. Over the weekend, the U.S. reaching a milestone in the fight against COVID-19. More than 100 million Americans now fully inoculated. That's over 30% of the population. The director of the CDC feeling confident July 1st is a reasonable target for reopening if positive trends continue. This virus has tricked us before, so I would like to sort of watch and see how it goes before making further uh, estimations of what happens in a couple of months. Some around the country looking forward to their return to normalcy. Crowds gathering at Disneyland in California and the Kentucky Derby this weekend. But others still not sure it's safe enough. Hundreds protesting outside New York City's City Hall on Saturday over Mayor Bill de Blasio's plan for them to return to work Monday. De Blasio's office not backing down. As of May 1st, coronavirus cases are down nearly 28% over the past two weeks. Sunday recorded less than 30,000 cases. Less than half the cases reported on the same day last month and a stark difference from the beginning of the year. Over 245 and a half million doses have been administered so far and more than 147 million Americans have now received at least one dose of the vaccine. But vaccine hesitancy continues slowing down the pace of vaccination efforts. Daily vaccinations dropped to only 2.6 million last week, down 22% from just three weeks ago. I think we should do just like people did the vaccine selfie. I think we need to have selfies of people now going to bars and restaurants with other vaccinated people to show what a return to 2019 pre-pandemic life could really look like. In Texas, weekly shots fell more than 50 percent. The state now expected to have a surplus of half a million doses with no clinics asking for them. Meanwhile, the FDA expected to approve use of Pfizer's vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds as early as this week, the move making some middle and all high schoolers eligible to get vaccinated. And CVS and Walgreens making headlines reportedly wasting more vaccine doses than all states combined. That's according to government data obtained by Kaiser Health News. It's not clear from the data why the two pharmacy chains have wasted all the doses, but CVS has responded saying it was all due to poor planning at the beginning of the vaccine rollout when the Trump administration relied heavily on these pharmacies to vaccinate the elderly.
And some major changes in the Sunshine State, the changes. The governor is tossing out COVID-19 restrictions in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis signed an executive order Monday invalidating local emergency orders. He says telling people they still have to wear masks and restrict movements even after getting vaccinated undermined public confidence in the vaccines. But private businesses in Florida can still require masks and enforce other protective measures. And meanwhile, air travel has hit a new pandemic record. The Transportation Security Administration says Sunday its agents screened over 1.6 million people at airports across the country. That's nearly 10 times more than the same day last year. Sunday numbers often are highest, are the highest of the week for the TSA, but they say the amount of travelers on Friday and Saturday was also higher overall. According to the federal agency, it has recorded more than a million screenings every day for more than seven weeks straight. And the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic continuing to be felt far and wide, including in America's largest cities. Gianni Aponte explains how the region's tourism industry is still reeling from the crisis. A tour through the eyes of a visitor who once lived in New York City shows us how the Big Apple has changed. It has changed a lot, but it's still a pleasure to come back to New York. These images are from two years ago when almost 67 million tourists were coming to the city. Since then, tourism has fallen by 67% and Broadway is still closed. It's an industry that depends on the people, the tourists, so we couldn't do anything this year. That absence has cost New York City an estimated $60 billion. Since March, when the pandemic started, since that month, the restaurants closed. Since then, they haven't opened. We were like 80 people working. Manuel was one of the 89,000 workers who lost their jobs due to the lack of tourism. In the restaurant I used to work, it was always full of tourists, and now there are none. Where are they going to get the money from? The hotels laid off almost half of their employees. According to the state controller's office, the tourism industry in New York City accounts for 10% of the city's private sector jobs. And the drop in tourism has cost an estimated loss of $1.2 billion in uncollected taxes. But the announcement of the city's full reopening is bringing hope. Reported by Blanca Rosa Vilches, this is Gianni Aponte for U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. That would essentially put an end to the longest war in U.S. history. This is the interior of a stash house that we found in this right along today. State authorities recommend avoiding them at night. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Thousands of migrants and migrant activists marched through downtown Washington and to the National Mall on Saturday, calling on President Biden and Congress to enact immigration reform. 
The rally to mark International Workers' Day started at Black Lives Matter Plaza and ended near the U.S. Capitol. The activists are calling for the Biden administration to stop deportations and provide a path to citizenship for the estimated 11 million undocumented migrants in the U.S., including DACA recipients and people with temporary protective status. Meanwhile, the Biden administration said today that four families that were separated at the Mexico border during Donald Trump's presidency will be reunited in the United States this week. Edwin Piti has the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin? Hi, Lorraine. Yes, you're right. I can tell you that the reunification of these families was announced during a phone conference with the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, and also Michelle Brenet, who is the director of the Family Reunification Task Force. This information for these four families has not been released so far for security reasons, but officials said one case is a mother from Mexico and another one from Honduras. They were separated from their children back in 2017 under President Trump's zero tolerance policy. According to Mallorcas, the Reunification Task Force has identified more than a thousand families that will be reunited in the coming weeks. The border crisis was also part of the announcement. According to Mallorcas, back in March, CBP had over 5,700 unaccompanied minors in custody. But thanks to interagency collaboration, that number has dropped by 84%. Now, one of the main challenges was that, on average, it was taking CBP 133 hours to transfer unaccompanied minors to HHS centers, when by law it had to be done in 72 hours. The Biden administration now saying they are doing it in 20 hours. The President Interagency Task Force on Reunification has been able to establish a complete database of separated families. Over 400 asylum officers from the Department of State are at the border helping thousands to get processed even faster. So far, DHS has established a process to give humanitarian parole to those families being reunited in the U.S., which automatically gives them more time to deal with their cases in court and not fear of deportation. That process itself is being coordinated among the Departments of Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, State, and the Department of Justice. We are reporting live in Washington, D.C. Lorraine, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for that report. And in Mexico, the coming summer months are making life much more difficult for migrants traversing that country on their way to the U.S. Elin Carretz brings us the latest on efforts to help those who are struggling with that trip. This is a clinic for migrants, a tiny room where they provide medical assistance to people arriving at the border in Chihuahua, Mexico, whose feet has been destroyed from walking too much in harsh conditions. Every day they're walking. Early we get up, cold and without food. Three days. Maria and her husband have foot blisters. It looks at first glance like a simple blister, but if you don't take care of it, you can get necrosis. Carmen walked for 10 days in the desert with her 8-year-old son. I felt like they were not my feet anymore. I was dragging them. His feet were filled with blisters. Catherine had the burned skin removed from her hands. I burned myself crossing the border wall with the rope because I was coming down with my six-year-old child and concerned that she was going to fall, I let myself to slide and burn my fingers. They arrived with their skin completely lifted, blisters already popped. The nurse's assistant is also a migrant. 
He arrived four months ago dehydrated and with hypothermia. When I arrived here, we had already walked in the desert for eight days. We had five days without eating and three days without water. To show his gratitude, he now devotes himself to helping other migrants. This. I do it with so much love, with so much desire when I see a fellow migrant coming in need. Aileen Cardet, UNews. Meanwhile, on the Arizona side of the U.S.-Mexico border, an uptick in the number of those picked up as border officials warn of the dangers ahead. Andrew Peña brings us a closer look. These canyons and mountains in the Arizona desert are becoming the gateway to the United States for many migrants despite the significant risks. And these people are also walking at night, and these canyons are too slippery, dangerous, and many people fall. Unlike in Texas, where families with children are crossing the border, here, most of the migrants are adults who are hiding from authorities. That is why they cross through these remote areas. Today we are seeing a large number of people, unaccompanied adults who are coming across. We are seeing a 200% increase compared to last year. John Molden, Border Patrol Chief at the Tuscan sector, told us that the number of people crossing through this sector is record-breaking. About 80% of what we're seeing are still single adults and the, the rest are family units and, and unaccompanied children. In this helicopter, several officers in the air and marine operations unit help with surveillance of the region. They often rescue migrants abandoned by coyotes. So we're very busy. We are, we are very busy and always have a unit ready 24 hours a day. We do these runs several times a day, the other officer said. So far this fiscal year in this sector, they've apprehended about 1,500 children per month. However, it is the adults who are now entering in large groups through these remote areas that are causing them the most concern. Reported by Pedro Utreras in southern Arizona, Andrew Peña, U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.